Howdy, you're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk. All right. Howdy again. Um, If I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is William. I'm really glad you're here. Um, Look, if if you're new here, everyone at one point in time was new or newish. And so if you're feeling like, ah, I I still feel a little weird and out of place, there's probably some other people in the room that feel the same way. um, But we're just so glad you're here and we want RUF to be a, a home for you and a place during your week where you really can come and and rest and like truly truly rest like rest body and rest in soul that you would really hear a good news and a good word here and that hey we would encounter uh god's very very spirit in this place so that's what we want um if there's anything ever that like i can do for you questions you have about, about what we do what we believe how i get more involved whatever it is um just please come talk to me we're here for you um so we are, um, okay, well first, let me, I just want to say a quick word. I'll say a little bit more after, um, after I'm done preaching tonight. But we're, at, we're bringing something back tonight that we haven't done in over a year. So actually, before COVID, oh, Julie, are you really excited? Okay, Julia's like about to jump up on the roof. Um, so before COVID, we would kind of like the same thing we do at different conferences where we like break up after and have little small group discussions. We, we just stopped doing that after COVID for, for obvious reasons. And we just never really brought it back. So we're going to like try it on for size. So like you can give us feedback. You're like, hey, yeah, that was, that was a fun thing to do. If you're like, ah, actually, I just kind of like the, the random mix and mingle hangout uh, right after a large group better you know you can be honest with us we'd love to hear your feedback but we're going to like try it on for size for a little bit bring it back so if you'll notice on your bulletins everyone's got a number a little sharpie number and what that just means is like all the twos will gather all the threes will gather all the ones will gather up together and that will be your discussion group so if you were wondering about that that's what we're going to do the the questions will be in here anyway it's it's all pretty self-explanatory but um Excited. I know Daniel, Daniel Espinosa is super excited to bring this back. So it's for you, buddy. For you. Um, all right. So this semester, we have been, we are working our way through a particular section of the book of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent, like ascending up onto something high. And so these were the songs that Israel would sing as they ascended to the city of Jerusalem for their yearly feasts and celebrations to make sacrifices at the temple and do other kind of forms of worship. And so these particular songs, they kind of give us a spiritual roadmap, as it were, um, a path moving upward towards God. In other words, they give us a framework for uh, this thing in Christianity that we call discipleship. They give us a framework for what it looks like to follow and grow um, with God. But instead of being this like bullet-pointed to-do list of discipleship, it's a framework that's poetic, right? It's set to music. And it's just full of like deep, deep, emotional, bottom-of-your-guts kind of stuff. It's real discipleship for real Christians that live in a real gritty world. Uh, And you're going to feel that, I think, in Psalm 123 tonight. 
This is a song of someone who, who loves God, who trusts God, and they're someone that knows deeply what it feels like to get punched in the gut and kicked in the teeth. Proverbially, maybe actually, too. Right? What does it look like to be a disciple kind of in that, in the real world? That's the kind of discipleship we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, so let's, let's read. So Psalm 123, a song of ascents. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Um, Lord, I, I don't know if we're, I, I would assume that for a lot of people in this room, just like these words, just really land home. Because for a lot of us, like we're, we're kind of sick of, you know, like we're just, we get the short end of the stick or we get left over or we get forgotten about or, you know, we just get like jerked around um, by people and things and circumstances in this world and like, it's just exhausting. We're exhausted by it. We're like, we're actually maybe sitting here in this room tonight. Maybe some of us almost didn't come tonight because we are so tired. Because we were so tired of just like what the world and life and circumstances um, are just kind of like dropping down on us. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that as we enter into this psalmist experience, that we would, um, that we would one, hear our experience, but two, Lord, that we would hear you. Like, this is actually your word. Like, your Holy Spirit is giving infallible uh Right, it's infallible scripture to our very own experience and leading us by the hand uh, to yourself more and more. So would you do that? That's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so do y'all know what do y'all know what mansplaining is? Um, let me explain. That's good. That would be, that'd be funny. So mansplain what mansplaining is. It'd be like a like a whole like Somebody would tear in the time-space continuum, and like some like like feminist timekeepers would have to come in and you know like stop me to like save the multiverse or something like that. Um, okay, so man mansplaining, right? Or or boomer splaining, or I saw a meme the other day where a mom was like, "My kid sure is doing a lot of dino splaining for somebody who calls it a velociraptor." And um, anyway, so all, all, there's all kinds of splaining out there. Or whatever, whatever iteration it is, it's annoying at best. Uh, and at worst, it's, it's just degrading, right? To have people condescendingly give you some information that they are so convinced that you need to have. Um, and either you're like, okay, I, I, I already know. I already know this. Um, or, or just in general, like, it just feels like, like, okay, you're just trying to make me feel stupid or like you're better than me and so like why why is that so cringy because we just hate it on our inside so much 
for someone to just kind of like arrogantly like push us into a place where we're made to feel small, stupid, like an idiot. We just do. Um, and sometimes we get put in that place unfairly, and that's infuriating. Sometimes we get put in that place rightly. Um, and that's hard because we actually get exposed for actually being insufficient or being, you know, the feeling like the idiot in the room. And that that's just human, right? That's just a human reality. And, like, I don't care if you're a Christian, if you're a Buddhist, if you're an atheist, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you've felt that. You've experienced that. And the psalm we're looking at tonight, I think, is, is vibing with that same kind of frustration. Right? The psalmist is pretty much going, like, God, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of people. Maybe fairly sometimes, but that still sucks. But maybe a lot of times unfairly or hypocritically making me feel like I, I'm the worst or I'm not, I'm not enough. And so in that reality, I, I just want us to see uh, how the psalmist walks through that. Like, how does he walk through that scenario, that feeling? Uh, what's his stance as a disciple of God? So that, that we can, like, how can we take a posture as disciples of God just in life scenarios like that? So first, um, I just want to see how the psalmist is fixed on the throne. Second, how he is fixed on mercy. Okay, so first, fixed on the throne. Um, all right, so if you were here with us, I guess it was week two. Yeah, week two, we looked at Psalm 121. And we saw the psalmist, he kind of hit this gear of existential crisis for a moment where he was like, all right, if I'm going to do this life journey thing, what's going to be my anchor point? Where am I going to get confidence from? Where am I going to like draw from resources, find sufficiency? Where is that going to come from? Uh, is it going to be from my circumstances? Is it going to be from like me? The stuff that's inside of me? Is it going to be from creative things? Or is it going to be from like, the God, the maker of heaven and earth? and me and all the invisible things that I, I don't even see. Which is it going to be? And the psalmist, right, he shifts that gear then into, like, God, that's where I'm going. Okay? So now here in this psalm that we're looking at tonight, you don't have that crisis. The psalmist is just already full send, so, uh, verse 1, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Uh, I just want to acknowledge for a second that, you know, for many people in the room, like maybe you're not there yet, right? You're still maybe at a point in, in your walk, in your faith, in your journey with God, that you aren't in, like, my knee-jerk reaction is just, like, full send directly towards God. Um, right? Here at RUF, we, we want to acknowledge that the Christian life is indeed a journey, and it is a process. Um, we want you to feel the freedom to acknowledge the reality of where you are. And we're not trying to manhandle you into being somewhere spiritually where like, you just aren't yet. Because that doesn't do you good, that doesn't do us any good. Um, right? We have hopes, we have dreams, we have prayers, we have longings. We want to see you grow. Right? That's why we're here. We want to see you progress. 
But like we're not trying to lay something or force something artificial upon you. Okay? So I just want to say that. Like I think it's good, it's beautiful that like we see the psalmist go like he is just in a place where he's walked with God long enough that he just goes straight. Like my knee-jerk reaction is um, I'm, I'm going to go towards the God of the universe. And if that's not you yet, we're in process. We're in process. Okay, so that being said, I think there is actually real encouragement that, that I do hope some of you experience and that all of you do experience one day real encouragement and refreshment uh, that comes to you that like when, when like man, I get hurt by people or when I fail and sin. And like I find myself in that corner of the internet again. Or like I came to my senses again. And I realized that like the way I act around people is that I'm just trying to prove to everybody how cool or awesome I am. And I, like I did it again in that social situation. Um, and like it comes to you. Man, it is a beautiful thing. When without really thinking about it, you just kind of realize that you find yourself going like straight at God. That like your heart and your mind turn towards like I actually need God. That like that's actually a good thing. A good thing to cultivate is that like when you fall flat on your face, when you run into hard things, for like your first move to be like, I have a God with, like, warm, open arms that's going, come here. And your, and your move is like, and that's exactly, that's exactly where I want to go. That's exactly where I need to go because I know I've got a God there um, who's going to receive me. Right, that's good. That's encouraging. If any of you feel that, feel that. Like, I think sometimes a lot of college students, you, you run into a place where you're like, I, I don't have great metrics to measure. Like, how am I doing my faith? I hate that question, honestly, when people ask, like, how are you doing spiritually? Because I have, one, I don't know what that means. I don't know how to answer it. Um, hey, I think here's, this is a good metric. A good metric for you to hold is like, man, when I sin, which is like all the time, like, does my heart just incline towards going, God, will you forgive me? Like if that if that's you at all, man, that is a crazy supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and evidence that God has you and is holding you. Right? That's encouraging. That's encouraging. Um, right, let me push. Let me push this a couple uh, more yard lines further. Um, y'all, so where where life, like real, I have found real life and fulfillment, like this really is experientially fulfilling for me. I feel full. I've got energy. I've got vibrancy. Where you're going to really circulate that down into your soul is, is where your stance towards God, your posture towards God, um, isn't that you're just kind of um, relating to Him as some kind of like smiley grandfather in the sky who just kind of like, you know, gives you like Sorry, champ. Um, but actually, when you know that when you are relating to God, that you are relating to your king. 
right? You're relating to the, your king, your master. Um, and when you're saying, like, you are my ruler. I am your servant. And that requires that I actually serve you and, and not me. Right? When you take the posture of coming before him as if he really is the one seated on the throne of the universe. Right? You see the psalmist say, verse 2, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God. Because here's the reality. You will look to the throne of God or you will look to the throne of something else in life. Right? When things get hard, like big hard, when they get little hard, like you're going to turn to some master. Uh, there's no such thing as not having a master. There's no such thing as not being ruled by something. Uh, David Foster Wallace, a super secular, non-Christian uh, guy, thinker, writer, he uh, once said this in a famous, famous commencement address to Kenyon College. He said this, because here's something else that's true. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. And again, this is coming from somebody who he does not believe in God. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wiccan mother goddess of the Four Noble Truths, or some infrangible set of ethical principles is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, they are where you tap real meaning in life, and you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified in myths, proverbs, cliches, bromides, epigrams, parables, the skeleton of every great story. The trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid. You will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And so on. Okay, so here's my question. What throne are you looking to? What throne are you serving? What is, what is your knee jerk? Right? And, and we're saying, like, hey, I, I get it. For a lot of people in, our, in this room, your knee jerk isn't necessarily, like, the God of the Scriptures, like, the merciful, the Holy One of Israel. Like, I get it. What is it? Like, can you have honesty um, maybe some, some moments of self-reflection to think, like, what are the things that I turn to um, to make me feel okay and whole? Um, okay. So, I, the big claim that I hope you're hearing implicit in all my question asking um, is obviously this claim that, okay, to actually bow your knee and to take the posture towards the God of the Bible that says, like, I'm going to let you be king and I'm actually going to serve you and follow you and be your servant. Is that, like, somehow, like, there's 
there is something better about serving that thing, right? So what is that? Like, what, what makes the stance of bowing your life service to the God of Bible? What, how is that something that actually makes you whole? How is that something that actually makes you maybe even free? Okay, so second point, fixed on mercy. So the psalmist, with his eyes proverbially fixed on God, in other words, um, you know, who he slash she has their life, their heart posture, they're, they're paying attention to who God is. And what he does is eagerly anticipating. Like, not some unknown, not some amorphous God, not, not some kind of like, man, we're just going to have to like feel around in the dark to kind of figure out like who God is, what is He actually like. Right? When the psalmist is looking to the throne of God, they know that exactly what they're going to find there is a very particular character trait, a God with a very particular concrete nature. What is that? So our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Psalm, uh, and then verse 3, Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. You know, that is just such a basic, basic, bottom-rung Christian truth that it's just so easy for us to blow past it and forget about it. It is that to know and serve the living and true God is to know and serve a God with actual, concrete character traits. He actually, there are things that are true of Him and there are things that are not true of Him. Right? He can no more stop being all-powerful or all-knowing or all-holy. Like, He can't stop being merciful. It's just who He is. Do you know that? Right? Whether or not your stance toward God is aligned with that reality or not, His stance, His reality that is unchangeable is that He is merciful. He acts towards people that forget Him, that put Him behind all kinds of other priorities. Right? He acts towards people that frankly rebel against His rule and authority. His nature is to treat people like that with a kindness and a gentleness and a love that not only do they not deserve, they have done the complete opposite of deserving. He is merciful. To encounter Him is to encounter someone who is what He does. Mercy. Right? And so to the extent that the psalmist knew that fact about, that, about God, and there's ample reason for an Israelite, Old Testament people of God, there's ample reason for them to know that that's true of God. Because look, where are the singers of this song? Where are they headed? They're heading up to the temple in Jerusalem. Where they're going, what are they going to do there? They're going to present lambs and goats and other kinds of um, offerings and animals, and they're going to go bring those things to the priests. And then they were going to say out loud, God, the thing that is true of me is I am a really bad servant of the king. 
I'm not a good servant of the king. I'm a bad servant of the king. Right? You gave me laws for how I should treat my family. You gave me laws for how I should treat my neighbors. You gave me laws for how I should conduct my thought life. And I just broke them. And I did it every day. And yet, in that moment, they knew a God and they were interacting with a God that provided this outlet. Right? This symbolic act of like, I'm going to give this sacrificial animal over to the temple. And God in that is providing mercy. God is going to totally treat me in a way that I do not deserve. Instead of dropping punishment and rejection on me, he's going to drop punishment and rejection on this animal. Right? And then the Israelite, they get to walk away blessed, forgiven, and even given the name holy, clean, sons, daughters of the living God. Mercy. Right? And what the psalmist knew of God, we get to know in just even more crystal clear terms. Because we don't just know a God of mercy like through symbols and shadows and this sacrificial system. We know a God who sacrificed His very self. Right? The second person of the Trinity in flesh in our human form. He presented Himself as the, the substitutionary sacrifice to end all sacrifices. So that what? So that mercy. So that God's undeserved sweetness and care, that, like that is your locked in, unchangeable reality. That's our reality. That's why Jesus came. You know, that is freedom. It's freedom, of course, because it's like, hey, like I don't have to worry about cosmic judgment hanging over my head. That's great. But it's also freedom because it means that the one who I am now serving, like the way he is relating to me and the way he is asking me to relate to him as a servant and he's relating to me as king, is that like he's not trying to guilt trip me. He's not trying to manipulate me. He's not trying to like motivate me by making me feel stupid or bad. He's ruling me by actually preemptively making me whole and establishing like, hey, hey, you're good, we're good. And he's motivating me onward by, by encouraging me. Give me a new name. You're a son, you're a daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Right? Pushing us forward with dignity. And look, I, I think like, we know the power of that just even in an earthly way, don't we? Right? Whether it's a teacher or a coach or some other mentor. Who are those people that you love and respect the most in your life? Who are the ones that you will just follow into battle no matter what? Right? The ones who demand, all right, perform this mark, like do this for me, meet this standard for me, and then maybe then I'll like you or be for you. Or is it the people that you already are convinced that they will go to the mat for you and that they are genuinely for you. And that their affection and their attention aren't conditioned on your performance. And what's the crazy irony of that, right? Is the ones that demand it, right? Like, 
kind of want to avoid them. It's the ones that don't demand the performance and actually preemptively, like without you deserving it, that just give you it, right? Those are the people that you want to be around. Right? Those are the mentors you want to follow. Those are the people that you want to hang on their every word and actually do things for them. And look, y'all, I, this is just so key for us to sink down into, into our stance, like our posture as we live as disciples of God. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to grow as Christians, we have to have a stance that's fixed on the reality of God's mercy. Because when it comes like the real dirty business of living in this world, um, right? We see the cry of, of the psalmist against the contemptuous and the proud. Um, and, and I think we actually see that cry. We can see that cry slice two ways, can't we? I think we can see it slice one in the direction the psalmist is kind of most directly talking about, um, which is... Like, how am I going to follow God? How am I going to stay fixed on, like, what He actually wants me to do when, like, the people in my life, like, are going to treat me like I'm a total idiot for following Jesus, right? When, like, and that's just so often us. When we're going, like, I... You know, like the people in my sorority, the people that are down the hall for me, like the way they're living life is like they're getting wasted, they're having sex, and like they don't care about getting to bed at a reasonable hour to make it to church on Sunday. Uh, they don't care about those things, and they think I'm a total fool for thinking those things matter or are important. And there's probably a lot of times when you're going, yeah, maybe I am kind of a fool because that looks kind of fun and like it doesn't seem like anything bad is happening to them. Right? And so like it's in, it's in those moments that the psalmist is asking the question like, how, how am I going to stand up to that kind of contempt and shame and scorn? But then I also think there's a way that it slices that's this, where it actually slices down into our own hearts as well. Because I think oftentimes, at least I know I am, we are the proud, contemptuous person that looks at the people around us and we go, dude, hey, maybe you'd actually be cool and maybe you'd get a date if like, you just come out of your room and stop playing video games and maybe like change your shirt like once this week or something like that, right? Um, like, or, or on the flip side, it can be, hey, you'd, maybe you'd be, like, you wouldn't be such a tool if you stopped trying to be, like, such a bro all the time, and, like, just, just be okay, just be normal, just be authentic, like me, right? Um, I think pride comes in all, all kinds of forms. We all have something, right? We all have something that we're clinging to that goes like, this is why I'm better than everybody else. And we all can point to the things about other people that are different from us. And we go, see, and that's what makes you worse than me. We all do it. We've all got our own forms of it. To be a real follower of God, to be someone who can actually put down pride, and even to be someone who isn't pulverized 
by the prideful browbeating of other people is, is for us to take the stance of freedom. Right? Set free because we know that the one who is cosmically working all the gears of eternity, that he actually likes you. He loves you. It's actually for you. Right? And that, that person has personally detonated all the metrics you or anyone else would ever, could ever set up for comparison or self-valuation. Right? You're just free to be loved. And when that's true, you're, you're just kind of free to be you. Like actually, not a false you, not a masked up you. You're just kind of free to be new. And you're free to like just care about other people and serve. Right? And that service of your true king, I think is probably mainly going to look like you detonating in your heart all the ways that you demand other people to meet your metrics of approval. That might be like one you want to put another like another little thing on the board that hang our hats on of like Christian growth might just look like Christian growth might just look like you treating other people around you with the same mercy that God has handed over to you. Right? Because then we're freed. We're freed to love. We're, we're freed by love to love. And that's real freedom. Okay, let's pray for that. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, we, because you have taken every last inch of what's wrong with us and what's wrong with this world. And on the cross, the Father just just pulverized, just disintegrated all of that in you. And when you said, it is finished, when you cried out in bloody anguish, it is finished, you weren't kidding, you weren't pretending like that was a reality. And we know that it was true because you came back alive and you walked out of the grave in a glorified, perfected form, vindicated, lifted up by the Father. And when we believe in you, we can have like just that, like all the boxes checked. There's no other contingencies out there. We are righteous. And we're not righteous from the things we decide. We're not righteous from uh, the mistakes we make. Or, or we're not made unrighteous because of the mistakes we make. We're not righteous because of the, the good choices we make. We're not righteous because of the clothes we decided to wear or because like just the, the social spaces we happen to occupy or don't occupy on campus. Our righteousness solely comes out of you. Our merciful, kind God that is seated on the throne. Lord, would you help us to have that knee-jerk stance on our insides that whether the good things or the bad things or whether praise or whether ridicule, whatever comes our way, that our knee-jerk reaction is to look to the eyes of our merciful God that is seated on the throne of all of reality. And this is your name we ask this. Amen.
We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If y'all are interested in joining us for a future worship night, we would absolutely love to see y'all at All Face Chapel uh, on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events that we might be putting on throughout the semester. Uh, Thank y'all so much for listening, and we hope to see y'all around sometime.